0: That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message.
1: If you've been with us, we've looked at the fact that God is omniscient, that He's omnipresent, and that He's omnipotent, that He knows all, He sees all, He can do all. And as a result of Yahweh, God, we are to worship Him, serve Him, honor Him, and today the message is we are to share Him. So take your Bibles and your outlines and follow along. I think most of you know this, but God put it on my heart, a burden, to win the city of Los Angeles to Jesus Christ. People need the Lord. As you read through the Bible, there are three cities that you read about all the time. The first one is Rome. In fact, there's a book in the Bible called Romans. It's a letter that Paul wrote to all the people who lived in Rome. Rome, at the time of Jesus Christ, when Jesus walked on the earth, you may or may not know this, but at that time, Rome was the largest city in the world at that time when paul wrote the book of romans at that time he had never been there he was just writing to the people who lived there if you read romans chapter 1 and you read romans chapter 15 it's very interesting as you read through there's one thing that keeps coming out as you read those two chapters that paul had this yearning this longing He wanted to go to Rome. You see it over and over again in his writings. Now, why would he want to go to Rome, the largest city in the world? Well, because he knew it was a city of influence. He knew it's where the world lived. But he also realized it was a place that needed to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as you read, you see this desire that he had to get there so he could preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The second city, write this down that you always see in the Bible, is the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the center of Christianity. It is the center of the Bible. And in Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44, the Bible says as Jesus uh, approached Jerusalem and he saw it, the Bible says that he wept over it. Now, why would Jesus weep over this city of Jerusalem? Well, because he loved Jerusalem, It was the city of God. It was the birthplace of Christianity. But the reason he was weeping was because he knew of the coming destruction of this city because they were going to reject him as the Messiah. And so he wept over the city. The third city in the Bible that I see is the city of Nineveh. Everybody say Nineveh. Nineveh. Now, Nineveh, you find it in the Bible, specifically in the book of Jonah, And what I want you to know about Nineveh is that 600 years before Rome, Nineveh, for a 50-year window, was the largest city in the world. And today, that's on the outskirts of Mosul, modern-day Iraq. And God called Jonah, in Jonah chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me now you know the story god called jonah to go preach to nineveh this great city and he decides to run away from god and he takes this boat ride and a storm comes up they blame him for the storm so they throw jonah overboard hoping that the storm stops and a big fish comes and swallows jonah and he's inside the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And even the fish gets sick of Jonah and spits him out on the shore. And then as you read the book of Jonah, Jonah goes back to this great city of Nineveh. Again, one of the largest cities in the world. And the Bible says that the entire city gives her life to God. And I, I want you to know how desperately I long. Wouldn't you like to see revival come to the city of Los Angeles? oh 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 can can you imagine if every single person in this city gave their life to Jesus Christ there's something about the cities that draw us to want to lift up Jesus that the masses might come to know him as Lord and Savior there's several reasons write these things down we're gonna go through them real quick first of all the people the people are in the city We have right now in the United States of America 10 cities that have over 1 million people in population. China has 200 cities that have 1 million people. China is a big place. They have a thing called megacity. A megacity are when several cities join together and form a metropolitan area like Los Angeles, like New York. A megacity has... 10 million people in it. And currently today around the world, there are 37 metropolitan areas that have over 10 million people in it. Number two, the nations are in the city. You know, in every city, in large cities, you have people from all over the world. How many people in this room, you were not born in the United States of America. You were born in some other country. Raise your hand real high and look at all the people that come from somewhere other than the United States. The nations are in the city. Number three, the needy are in the city. You can't live one day in this city without looking and finding someone who is in need. I mean, they're here, all over this city. People who are hurting, people who are living in despair, people who are broken, people who need to find hope. Number four, the resources are in this city. I make no bones about it. We have a lot of poor people in this city, but we got a lot of wealthy people in this city. You know, we need to take that wealth and have people give it and so that we can use it to support missionaries all around the world. I think currently we give over a million dollars a year to support missionaries all around the world. And number five, write this down. The lost are in the city. Everywhere you turn in this great city are lost people. You go to any grocery store, any restaurant, look at the freeways, the 405, the 5, the 170, the 10, the 101, especially the 101. There's lost people on that freeway. (laughs) Now the saved people, in theory, are in church today. We know Yahweh. We know He's omnipotent, omnipresent. We know He's omniscient, that He knows all, He sees all, He can do all. We know His Son, Jesus Christ. And we have... Salvation, and we know that the bible has the answers to all of life's greatest questions and you see once you know god once you and i have experienced god once we have jesus christ we move from a state of being lost into a state of being saved and from that moment on we ought to live the rest of our lives on this earth using every moment of every day to help other people pass from a state of being lost to a state of being saved. I started thinking about all the different ways that you and I should share our faith. And I want you to write these down. I came up with five in less than 60 seconds. Number one, we are to share our faith naturally. Just naturally. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus would heal someone or perform a miracle and often after he performed the miracle he would say Shh, don't tell anybody what just happened to you you say that's not in the bible oh it's in the bible it happened all the time i'll show you some illustrations in mark chapter 5 he heals jairus's daughter and in mark chapter 5 verse 43 here's what jesus says the bible says That he gave strict orders not to to let anyone know about this seems kind of strange mark chapter 7 he heals a man who's mute and deaf this man cannot speak he cannot hear and mark chapter 7 he heals this man and mark 7 verse 36 the bible says that jesus commanded them not to tell anyone and then it says the more that he did so the more that he warned them the more they kept talking about it they couldn't help themselves mark chapter 8 he goes to the disciples and he asks them this question who do people say that i am they said well some people think you're john the baptist some people say you're elijah and jesus said but who do you say that i am and peter said i believe that you are the christ the son Of the living God. And then Jesus said in Mark 8, verse 30, he warned them not to tell anyone. Now, why would he tell them, shh, don't tell anyone? Why? Because if you study the scriptures, it wasn't yet time for it to be revealed to the masses that he was indeed the Son of God. It wasn't yet time, but why would Jesus have to tell people? don't tell anybody why would he have to say that because it's naturally something you would just want to do i mean once you've been healed don't you want everyone else to be healed once you've been saved don't you just want everybody else to be saved i mean once you've been blessed by god don't you just want everyone else to have that blessing that you have so many christians that i know they never share their faith they have a million excuses i'm shy i'm scared i don't know what to say it's difficult it's not my gift listen if you've been saved a minister or a pastor should never have to encourage you to share your faith or to talk to someone about the lord It should just naturally happen, spontaneously, automatically, routinely, open-heartedly, authentically. Truth be told, if you're saved, you couldn't help yourself but tell other people that you've been saved. Can you imagine you having stage four cancer and the doctor says, I'm sorry, there is nothing we can do for you. And you start getting people to pray and you go in for a checkup and the doctor goes, I can't explain this to you, but you don't have any cancer in you. We can't explain where it went or, 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 I mean, we, last time you were here, you, it was over for you. Now we can't even find the cancer. We don't know what happened. Can you imagine that happening to you and you not telling people what happened to you? Oh man, everywhere you went, Hey, I had stage four cancer and it's gone you would tell everybody in the world, wouldn't you? Can you imagine having a child who goes missing and you get the entire city searching for your child and one day we find your child and he's okay and you're reunited with your child and you not telling people that your child who was lost has been found? And in the same way, I don't understand how any of us could truly be lost, destined to be in eternity without Christ, And one day we're saved and now we're going to spend the rest of our life in heaven for all of eternity. And not tell, I mean, if you are truly saved, we couldn't stop you from sharing any more than you could stop Niagara Falls. You couldn't help yourself. Number two is we should share our faith obediently. Forget about just the naturally. Let's say you just it doesn't just naturally come out of you. Obediently it should come out of you. Every person should share Jesus Christ because we've been commanded to share Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 16, it says go. Everybody say the word go. Now look at these words. Go into all the what? And preach the good news to who? Now, as you look at that, is that a suggestion or is that a commandment? It's a commandment. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said these words, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of what? I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible says that once they left their nets and followed him. Look at Psalm chapter 96, verse 2. The very first line says, Sing to the Lord and praise His name. Raise your hand if you've already sung, you sung to the Lord today. You sung, you worship, you sung to the Lord, you praise His name. Oh, you've already done the first line. Good, good. Let's go to the second line. Proclaim His salvation day after day. That means yesterday you should have proclaimed salvation. Today you should proclaim His salvation. Tomorrow you should proclaim His salvation day after day verse 3 declare his glory among the nations his marvelous deeds among all people and that's the greatest thing about living in LA you don't have to get on a plane and travel to Africa or to Europe or to Asia God brought the whole world it's your next door neighbor it's the person you work with it's the people you interact with every single day. God brought the nations to this city, and I I remember when I first moved here thirty years ago. Thinking, man, this is strange. These people speak all kinds of languages. <laughs> and I remember a stat thirty years ago that in Los Angeles that there were are one hundred and five different languages spoke spoken in this city. That was thirty years ago. I looked it up this week. Now there are two hundred and twenty four languages. Spoken in this city. I also read this statistic that over half of the households in Los Angeles, think about this, half of the households in Los Angeles, when they're in their house, they speak a different language other than English. I'm telling you, when it tells us to declare the Lord to all nations, He's telling you to declare. His deeds, His glory to your next door neighbor because chances are they're speaking a different language than you speak. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit falls upon you and you will be my witnesses. Again, that's not a suggestion, it's something that's going to happen. Once you receive God's Spirit, you will be a witness to what God has done in your life matthew chapter 28 another verse that says therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit i've decided sometime i don't know when i'm going to put up some signs as you leave the parking lot that say as you leave go And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I don't know when I'm going to do that because some of you don't drive very good and I don't want to distract you. But I want to give you a message as you leave that you've come here to worship. But we leave to make a difference in the world. Amen. Amen. Number three, logically. Write that word down. We should share naturally. We should share obediently you should share just logically i want you to take your bibles quickly and turn to luke chapter 16 i just want to read some verses luke chapter 16 it says there was a rich man he lived in luxury every single day of his life now he was a rich man verse 20 but out at his gate was a beggar by the name of lazarus And not only was Lazarus poor, not only was he a beggar, but he had some health issues because the Bible says that he was covered with sores. And verse 21, Lazarus, the beggar, was longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. He just wanted the leftovers, the scraps. And he he must have been so sick and so weak, it says, that even the dogs came and licked his sores. I mean, he's in bad shape. Verse 22, the Bible says the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side and the rich man also died and was buried. And then Jesus said in verse 23, in hell, and I just want you to know, those of you that don't think there's a place called hell... Right here in the Bible, I'm pointing to it right here. Jesus said, in hell, there is a place called hell. It says, in hell, where he, the rich man, was in torment. He looked up, and he saw Abraham far away. And who is that next to Abraham? Oh, that's Lazarus. And it says, so he called to him, Father Abraham, Abraham. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and come down here and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this place of fire. He's hurting. But Abraham in verse 25 replied Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he's being comforted here and you, my friend, are in agony. And besides that, in verse 26, even if Lazarus was willing to come down there, the Bible says, Jesus says, between us is the great chasm, and it has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. No one can go. Once you're there, you don't get to go there. And once you're there, you can't go down there. So his second request... In verse 27, if you can't send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and cool my tongue because of the agony that I'm in, if he can't do that, here's my second request, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. And let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. I'm telling you just logically if there is a place called heaven and there is and if there's a place called hell and there is and if every single person on this planet's going to die you ought to be looking for people who are lost because just logically you don't want them to go to a place of torment and you want them to go to Abraham's side and all God's people said
0: The secret to overcoming any obstacle you are facing today is revealed through one of the most extraordinary victories ever recorded in the Bible, the Battle of Jericho. Joshua and the Israelites followed God's unusual plan to walk around the heavily fortified walls of Jericho for seven days. The Lord promised that at the end of those seven days, he would cause the walls of that famed city to fall, allowing his people to take possession of the promised land. In his book, Walls Fall Down, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shows us how the seven spiritual principles in this story are available for all of us today. You will learn how the foundation behind Joshua's victory is the key to overcoming your own hurdles and unsolvable issues. When you choose to do things God's way, walls crumble, victory replaces defeat, and a blessed future unfolds. Pastor Dudley's book, Walls Fall Down, is available for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This invaluable resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover how your personal Jericho battle is no match for the power of an awesome God. Call us right now and receive your copy of Walls Fall Down by Pastor Dudley Rutherford today. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.